Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. We are wrapping up our series, uh, Get Healthy. And today's theme is endurance. It's one I actually know a, a little bit about because I used to run cross country in high school. And the reason I ran cross country is I played football my freshman year and I went, oh, this is not the sport for me. <laughs> and, and I also realized that the, uh, the teammates in cross country, because the, the, you know, the boys team, the girls team practiced together, they were more attractive than my teammates on the football team. <laughs> I'm like, this is the sport for me. I like this sport. So uh, my twin brother, he ran cross country. He was really, really good. And so the coach saw me come on the team. He's like, oh, yeah, I got another Haynes twin. And I was not so good at cross country. But I had a good time. It was fun. So we had these practices. And, and uh, I really didn't like practice that much. And we, we had this practice coming up. And uh, the, the, guy, the people on the team are like, oh, man, this is the worst practice all year long. I'm like, what are we doing? is that we're going to run around the track 30 times. So it's a 400 meter track, and we're, we get to jog 200 meters, and then sprint 200 meters, and then jog 200 meters, and sprint 200 meters 30 times. <clears throat> I said, well, that doesn't sound like that, that bad. I mean, we've, we've run seven to eight miles before it, that's, that's shorter distance. They're like, oh no, it's the worst. We call it the Julie Moss workout. I'm like, Julie Moss? Who's Julie Moss? And then they showed me this video. Uh, there had been a lead change among the women. 23-year-old Julie Moss, the former college student from Los Ojos, California, had moved ahead of Pat Hines. Most came to the Ironman as a college student, just trying to get a degree. No one would imagine she'd find herself in the lead so late in the race. The she Moss was asking about was Kathleen McCartney, who was in second place in the women's event, nearly 20 minutes behind Julie when the marathon began. As night fell in Kylo Kona, an exhausted Julie Moss was clearly in trouble. Quickly back on her feet, but again her body said no more.
as Moss struggled trying to balance him on an earthquake, her worst fears were realised as Captain McCartney runs past her into first place. The shots from the finish. Unsure of her position and what had happened, McCartney had to be told she'd won by race volunteers at the finish. Moments later, Julie Moss crawled to the finish line in one of the most memorable moments in the history of ABC's Wide World of Sports. Millions of Americans watched mesmerized by Moss's courage and determination. Everyone who saw it was moved, and history has shown us that from that day forward, the Iron Man would never be the same. You ever feel like that? <laughs> it's an Iron Man, right? So it's Julie Moss, she's competing in her first Iron Man, had never done it before. An Iron Man is a two-mile swim, a 112-mile bike ride, and then a marathon after that. It's nasty, huh? And she finds herself in first place, and she's crawling to the finish line, gets past 10 yards from the finish line. She's done. Done. You ever feel like that? You get home from work and you're like, I am done. I'm sitting on this chair and I'm not moving. I'm done. You ever feel like that? Or even worse, you wake up in the morning and you're like, I don't want to get up. And you realize, you know, life is not a sprint. It's an endurance race. It's a long endurance race. And there are things that weigh down heavy upon you. And the worst stuff is the stuff you want to fix, but you can't. You know, it's the kid that's just troubled, and you're like, ah, if I, if I want to just fix the kid, but I can't fix the kid. And it weighs heavy on you. It's the, it's the work situation. It's the unemployment. And you're looking, and you're looking, and looking, and nothing's coming up. Or underemployment. You got four or five jobs and you're running from job to job to job, wondering if you'll ever get something long term and secure. It's a job that you do have, but it's horrible. And the people there aren't even very nice. You want to get out, but you just don't know how, don't see how. It's the chronic pain. And you wake up in the morning and it hurts. And you go to bed at night and it hurts. You try to fall asleep, but you can't because it hurts. You take the medicine for it and then you're just drowsy all the rest of the day and you're no good. And, and what do you do? Because the doctors say they can't do anything. You start to feel a little bit like Julie Moss, just crawling towards the finish line, wondering if it's going to get better. And what sometimes makes it worse is we never picture it's going to be like that, right? We always picture the late woebegone life where all the women are strong, all the men are handsome, and all the kids are above average. That's how we picture it, right? It's going to be just like that. And sometimes it is. You have seasons like that, and then you have seasons where, oh, it's long, and it's hard. you wonder, Lord God, does it get better? Will it ever get better? Because what I want 
is that Lake Wobegon life. But what I want is better than what I've got. What I want is just perfect, gosh, just peace and pain-free and, and comfortable and, and nice and, and, um, and secure and, and, and just, just lovely. That's what I want, Lord God. Can you give that to me? You're not alone. There are two guys who wanted that, but they wanted even more. They wanted positions of glory and honor. They didn't just want peace and comfortable. They wanted the top. And they were bold enough to ask it. Two guys, James and John, and they're in our gospel reading for today. And they go to Jesus and they say, Jesus, actually in the gospel of Matthew, it's their mom who does it, right? That's a smooth move. <laughs> mom, go talk to Jesus for us, right? Gospel of Mark says they were a little bit more involved, right? And they say, give my, can you put us in the places of honor? We want, when you come into your kingdom, we want to sit on your left and your right. Top dogs, that's what we want to be. Not at the underdogs, top dogs. And Jesus does not scold them for this. Which is interesting, because Jesus has scolded these guys in the past. Their nicknames, they were two brothers, James and John, and their nicknames were the Sons of Thunder. It's a great nickname, huh? It wasn't a compliment. They were really like, just, just had quick tempers. In Luke chapter 9, they're walking through the Samaritan village, and in Middle Eastern culture, in, in those days and today, a hospitality is a very high virtue. And they're looking for a place to stay in this village, and this village will not give them a place to stay. Which is very rude in that culture and very insulting. You know, you wouldn't provide something. A barn at least, right? And so James and John, the sons of thunder, they say this to Jesus. Jesus, do you want us to call down fire from heaven to destroy them? And the text says, Jesus rebuked them and they went to another village. That's all it says. It's like, God, you guys are morons. Seriously? Let's just keep going. Sons of thunder. Jesus does not rebuke them in this text, though. Here he says to them simply this. You don't know what you're asking. You don't know what you're asking. Can you drink the cup I am going to drink? In Old Testament uh, imagery cup was often the cup of God's wrath. And so Jesus is saying to them, are you able to endure the suffering and hardship that I am going to endure? And they say, yeah, we can. Don't call them sons of thunder for nothing. And the other disciples are mad, of course, because they're always mad. So Jesus says this, whoever wants to be great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be, to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. <clears throat> These are shocking words. They're offensive words. You want to be first? Be a slave. And they're just as offensive in that culture as they are in our culture today. 
be a slave, be a servant? Are you kidding me? There's no way. I'm doing everything I can not to be in that position. Because I've seen that position, and I don't like it. <laughs> Jesus, anything but that. I want to be great. I want to be honored. I want to be respected. Be a slave? Jesus, you've got to be kidding me. But there are things Jesus would have us know that only a servant knows. There are things that Jesus would like us to absorb that only a slave can learn. And um, I was trying to think of a way to talk about this, and I came across this video, and there's this guy, and he says it better than I, than I ever could. And so I wanted to share it with you. It's a... It's a Video of a gentleman's name is Bill, Bill Davis, and he's talking about his son, Chris, um, who has uh, multiple uh, handicaps. I'd like to show it to you. Chris is in 11th grade, and uh, pretty much on his own in high school, he has a mentor that helps him. Nobody, Chris. All right, Chris, you go to mom. Let him walk off if you don't want to. Go to mom and I'll be off. Go to mom. Chris probably had one of the worst diagnoses ever. Um, self-injurious, uh, swollen intestines, poisons in his system, neurological damage, uh, mental retardation, severe autism, uh, almost the Crohn's disease. Chris did not communicate, he didn't sit down, he didn't put on clothes, he wouldn't go outside. He ate the walls, he ate the table, he ate the rug. Uh, we couldn't eat in the home, we couldn't have lights on, we couldn't have the TV on. If I cough, he would run downstairs and punch me. It was a 24-hour-a-day job. Chris never slept. He never ate. Uh, he wore <coughs> diapers. Never spoke. Um, and I was pretty much told to, to put him in an institution. It was obviously depressing. But so we went on this battle, you know, to um, to educate and to provide therapies. His mom um, went and studied everything she could get her hands on. She visited hospitals and schools and Johns Hopkins and Kennedy Krieger and Rutgers and she set up a school in our home. Our home became a school. It was one of the first centers of ABA which is Applied Behavioral Analysis. We set up intern programs with uh, kids from Penn State and um, Franklin Marshall and we began teaching credits. I thought to myself if he's happy, if he stops hurting himself, you know, if I could hug him, that that would be the greatest gift in life. And we continued against all odds, um, and he got better. I was telling him that you go to Elizabethtown, where do you go? Elizabethtown, Elizabethtown High School. Elizabethtown High School. And we're very proud of it, right? And we collect a lot of movies, we buy movies. Yeah, so I'm gonna just talk about you. The thing I've learned most over the years, is to be a parent first. It changed my life completely. It put me in another direction. I was able to love unconditionally. And I never thought of him as this poor, broken human being that we need to cure. You know, he, he, he's not sick. You're trying to get me to go?
I love what Bill says at the end. He says, Chris taught him things. One of the things that Chris taught him was, was unconditional love. Because that's what being a servant will teach you. Well, it'll teach you either bitterness <laughs> or unconditional love. The one you learn is, is your choice. And here's this, this, this kid um, eating the walls, eating the carpet. Uh, you cough and the kid hits you. How do you love someone like that? found a way. They found a way to, to serve him as he needed to be served. And in the process, Bill learns, and his wife as well, learns something that they could not have learned any other way. And that's unconditional love. Jesus is a servant. Jesus became your slave. God in the flesh becomes your slave so that you might know what unconditional love looks like. So you might know what sacrifice looks like. So you might know what servanthood looks like. Because we were kicking and biting him, saying, we have no other God, we are God. He says, I'm going to die for your sins anyway. Because I love you. The Son of Man did not come to, to be served but to serve, to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus Christ loves you with that kind of love, that kind of unconditional servanthood type of love. He says, if you want to know what love like that looks like, well then, you've got to be a servant. And sometimes it's a long, hard haul. There are times it's just not easy. It's hard sometimes. And that's okay. You're going to get through it. You really are. I know that because I know the end of the story. Jesus is alive for you. And my friends, there are people in this world who long to be comfortable, who long to be secure, who long to have uh, plenty of, of extra space in the checking account, and just have a life of ease. We live in a community where people retire to take it easy. What a shame. What a waste. I remember my very first cross-country race. And I misjudged the length of the race. So I ran the first, like, two-thirds really, really slow. And then I realized I was almost at the finish line, but, like, so far behind it didn't matter, right? And I'm sprinting towards the end. I, like, last hundred yards, I'm sprinting in. And my coach says to me, why don't you run faster the first two-thirds of the race, okay? I know you look good at the finish line. That's not the point. The point is to finish well. The word retirement's not in the Bible. It 
Make it last. Make it worth something. And when you do, you leave a legacy. You leave a legacy like the Apostle Paul who writes to his young friend Timothy. He says, I have fought the good fight. I have kept, finished the race. I have kept the faith. He leaves a legacy. May that be said of you. May it be said of you, he loved like Jesus. She loved like Jesus. And her main goal wasn't to be comfortable. Her main goal was to love. His main goal was to be a servant. Love like Jesus. Because Jesus loves you. Amen. Amen. May the peace of Christ, which passes all understanding, may guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord for life everlasting. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you. Thank you that you didn't fade out risen again. Lord Jesus, may we love like you love. May we serve like you serve. May we live like you live. Because you love us. Thanks, Jesus. Amen. 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 Alright, let's stand and sing our closing song.